0: Oh, this is Ruth. My question is, I'm wondering about the difference between what you're doing with us here and what you do actually in a client reading, uh, including you. were going to talk about the preparation once, but if not, then at least what you do during the session that's different. Awesome. Uh, thank you so much, Ruth. And before we dive in, today's date is the 30th of May 2021. It is Kulan Tarnas's birthday. Happy birthday again, Kulan. And the current local time is 7.13 p.m. And this recording is being done live in Nassau, the Bahamas. So this is a really great question that Ruth brings up. And it ties into something that I already wanted to speak about tonight, which is the difference between counseling and consultation within the practice of an astrologer. And whenever I do these blind chart reading demonstrations, I always start by saying that there is a difference between what I do within this space versus what I do if I were to be preparing for a client. And the chief difference is that within the context of a blind chart reading, it is specifically intended to be performative. Now, when I say performative, that word isn't meant to mean it's supposed to be a spectacle or it's supposed to be a circus act or something. But it is meant to demonstrate the performance of astrology as a skill within its own merit of astrology without astrology leaning on some other adjunct modality like counseling or hypnotherapy or tarot or anything else that allows our astrological practice to be more than just astrology. So a blind chart reading isn't intended for you to see how I operate with clients. A blind chart reading is intended for you to see the potential of the astrology that I practice in and of itself. Because the astrology that I practice and that I teach in and of itself has its core things that allow it to work. And those core things are the things that are being demonstrated and that are being performed within a blind chart reading. Now, client work is different. Because client work is completely client-based as well as client-driven. Within a blind charge reading, the presupposition is that there is no client drive because the client hasn't actually given any information about themselves other than the chart information that allows me, the astrologer, to read that chart. Whereas a client session or a client consultation or a client counseling is a different thing entirely because that assumes that the client has come and that the client has come presenting a specific issue or a specific topic that they're wanting to work on. So that's a very big difference between the blind chart reading model versus the model of working one-on-one with clients. The blind chart reading isn't actually meant to be a sustainable client practice. I've said this before in a joking manner, but it's something that I genuinely feel within my heart of hearts that when we come to a blind chart reading, we're essentially coming to a cadaver course. And when you're in med school, doctors in training, they take classes in which they dissect human bodies or they dissect animal bodies in order to see the internal structure of the organism. And that is very much what a blind chart reading is. It is a dissection course. How do I dissect this actual living entity, frozen in time, that we call the natal chart of a person, and how, through that dissection, can I come to understand something deeper about the nature of the person to whom this chart belongs? It's a dissection course, and In the awareness that in this dissection course, we're dissecting the deep, hidden innards of a person's life, we move into that space with that level of respect. However, we also move into that space with the knowledge within ourselves that we're not necessarily trying to say things in a politically correct way, or we're not trying to say things in a nice way. Or we're not actively trying to say things that really take emotions or other circumstances into consideration because we are taking a step back with the purpose of creating an objective analysis of the chart that is there not what we'd say to someone if someone were actually sitting there but what is the objective analysis of this chart if we were to pass this chart through the filter of just astrology? And what we find is that when we pass a chart through the filter of just astrology, sometimes nice things aren't said. Sometimes the silver lining isn't found. Sometimes we don't really Say that someone is going to have a happily ever after in relationship to one part of their lives. And the reason for that is because astrology by itself, as a subject within itself, is as cold and dry as mathematics. On one hand, on the one hand, astrology allows us to have this ability to describe in planetary terms. The circumstances of the lives of people, of events, of questions, if we're speaking about horary astrology. Astrology allows us to describe. And the act of description isn't necessarily one that needs a great deal of colorful language. Is there wealth or poverty within this chart? That's a sort of a black and a white sort of thing. And so the astrology by itself allows us to categorize the experiences of a person's life, place them in perspective within the context of that entire life, and come to some sense of of judgment as to what these factors mean. However, we're humans who practice astrology. And as humans who practice astrology, there is something within our humanity that causes us to want to encroach that language in softness so that the person receiving that message from us can receive that in a way that's more digestible than for us to just drop a bomb on their doorstep. Your chart says this, therefore. And truthfully, for me, one of the reasons why I love horary astrology as a means of teaching the skill of giving concrete judgments is because for the most part, people feel far less nervous about giving the concrete judgment regarding a question versus they do in terms of giving the concrete judgment over the life of a person. And that nervousness is well-placed. Because unless you have the requisite skills to truly read the chart in a way where eight out of ten or nine times out of ten you're going to land within within the field of something concrete and specific within the life of that person, unless you've taken yourself through that process, you probably really don't have the requisite skills to be holding someone's natal promise within your hands, because that requires maturity. That requires a depth of study and a depth of understanding. And that also requires a depth of training. So this this is a very big issue that we find within astrology today. Because for the most part, people who enter astrology today specifically enter for the purpose of reading their natal charts. Or they specifically enter because they want to know how to practice natal astrology. But natal astrology is the description of the life of a person. And I would think that somewhere within the astrological mindset of the burgeoning astrologer, the understanding is there that, hey, if I'm going to do this, I probably need to cover some basis first. And so for me, some of the basis that we cover before learning natal astrology is you do a fundamental training in astrology, period. Period. There is foundations of astrology that applies to every single branch of astrology. And every single astrologer should pursue a training in the foundations of astrology first before branching off into a specific field or a specific subcategory of astrology. The problem that we have within the 21st century Is that astrologers begin their study of astrology, not through studying the foundations of astrology, but specifically through studying natal astrology. And this is not the way. As we look back in books that come down to us, both through the Renaissance and the medieval period and even beyond that, there is this understanding of teaching a general course in the foundations of astrology as a basis in which you learn what the signs of the zodiac mean in relationship to descriptions of the physical body of a person but also in relationship to places that they have an association with and countries that they have an association with and parts of the body that they have an association with so that you get this broad training in what that sign of the zodiac means as opposed to the singular training of this sign of the zodiac means something about my personality Similarly, if you pursue a training in the foundations of astrology, then you get an understanding of what Saturn means, not just Saturn as a characteristic within the human soul and psyche, but you get this understanding that from a medical perspective, Saturn has to do with our bones, our joints, our teeth, our skin, the skins of any slain animal, insofar as the skin is a protective covering the hair that is across the body the right air of the body the retentive faculty of the body saturn is having rulership over black bile as one of the four humors of the body all of these things we have this understanding or we gain an understanding when we take a foundational training in astrology versus saturn makes this person mean or saturn makes this person depressed or saturn causes this person to have a stern outlook on life yes All of those things from a psychological perspective are true, but the problem with learning astrology from the perspective of natal astrology is that we over-personalize the cosmos with the story of ourselves. And in so doing, anything that we hear about astrology, we take it personally. If you hear something about the element of earth, you take it personally because it sounds as if it's speaking about your specific earth. But there was an element of Earth that predates your existence. If you hear someone saying something about Jupiter, you take it personally because you feel as if they're speaking about your specific Jupiter. Someone says that Mercury is both in detriment and fall when in Pisces. And you take that as a personal affront because you have Mercury in Pisces and you know that your Mercury works just great. It's not about you. And that is where the astrologer's training should begin by knowing that while this astrology has the ability to describe you in beautifully dynamically living terms the entire corpus of astrology is not about you and there is an astrology that precedes the superimposition of you upon it and that is the astrology where we should all grow our bones. We should all establish ourselves in the foundations of astrology. Whichever system of astrology we're practicing, we should all establish ourselves in the foundations of astrology. Here at Oraculos, we establish ourselves in the foundations of classical astrology because we view the foundations of classical astrology as being the foundations of all astrology. But whatever system of astrology you're practicing there should be an understanding of fundamental foundational concepts because those fundamental foundational concepts serve as the launching pad of your further exploration of astrology in a more holistic and well-rounded way. I always tell the story that when I was in dance school in Cuba, we would see dancers from the national company come to our classes our beginners classes in the school and take our beginners classes in the school and it never occurred to us why why does a professional world famous dancer come back to the school to take a class that junior dancers are taking and the reason for that has been and always will be that the learning that is required in order to use a system masterfully is the learning that you receive when you study the foundations of that system. The higher you go in a dance education, the further you go from a teacher actually teaching you technique. So the most technical years of your training as a dancer will be in those formative years as a beginner because the height of your career as a dancer will no longer be about the classes that you take but about the choreography that you perform. Within astrology, too many astrologers are concerned about performing the choreography of astrology, and they have no understanding of the actual technique of astrology. And the reason why they don't have an understanding of the technique of astrology is because the technique of astrology doesn't actually equip you to perform or demonstrate natal astrology. It equips you solely to understand astrology as it is. That is a training that all of us need. We all need a training in astrology as it is. And astrology as it has always been. Yesterday, I was a part of a discussion. And one of the questions that came up within the context of the discussion was... How do we modernize some of the language that we find within traditional texts in astrology? How do we move this language forward? Because that language, it describes the patriarchy. And that language describes a particular period in time to which we are no longer beholden. And that language describes us when we weren't as evolved as we are right now. So how do we take this language of astrology forward? And... Every time this question comes up, it it does something within my heart, because first and foremost, as astrologers, we are historians. We are keepers of time. And insofar as we are the keepers of time, there is a certain fidelity to moments in time that our astrology must hold on to. And that includes even moments within our astrological timeline. So yes, there was a time in astrology when the 6th house meant slaves and slavery and servitude and all of these things. And today, within the modern context of astrology, we have a modern relationship to those words. And so what may have seemed like a slave in the past may be an employee at this current moment in time. Within our classical astrology, we have a concept that the sixth house is also ruling tenants, people who rent land from you. And today, we do not consider the relationship between a tenant and a landlord to be a first house, sixth house sort of relationship. Because in years gone by, a tenant was someone who was literally at a much lesser level in life than you, and therefore there was this superiority between someone who rented land versus the person who was actually giving the land to be rented, i.e. the landlord. Today in the 21st century, we view this landlord-tenant relationship as more of a first house, seventh house relationship. First house being you, Seventh house being your partners, first house being the landlord, seventh house being the tenant, because we tend to view that as being more of an exchange between equals than it may have been in the 17th century. But it's important for us to know that that was a part of the meanings of the sixth house within the 17th century so that we can identify our own moment in astrological time with that much greater clarity. I'm highly against this burning of history, because what happens in the burning of history or in this forced rewriting of of philosophies or of techniques is that we lose something that was passed on for generations. And even if today in our 21st century disposition, we can see with greater clarity all that came before us. And we can see how some of the things that came before us really, really wasn't okay. For example, clients going to an astrologer to find out is this woman chaste? Or has this woman been sleeping with other men? Has this woman come to me as a virgin? Is this child mine? Those are questions. These are questions that we find when we look at Renaissance and even medieval astrological texts questions that today would seem completely absurd is this woman coming to me as a virgin that obviously is reflective of a particular moment within our human history that within the 21st century strikes us as completely absurd but you should still know that at some point in time Questions like those were posed. And you should still have an understanding of how those questions were dealt with, because that is a part of our astrological. Heritage. There are things that I don't agree with within the context of my own heritage, there are things I don't agree with within the context of how the country that I live in still operates, but those things are part of my knowledge base because they inform how I'm going to relate to the broader context of not only what this country is, but of who I am as a citizen of this place. Similarly, within our astrology, we need to know everything. As astrologers, we need to know everything about the practice that we're practicing within the context of where it came from. Because what happens when we start to rewrite techniques or when we start to rewrite traditions is we pull the thread on many other parts other than the specific thing we're trying to rewrite. A prime example of this is the relationship between the fourth house and the 10th house as being the rulers of the father and the mother, respectively. Within the 21st century, there is a thought that the 10th house rules the father and the 4th house rules the mother because of the way in which modern astrology places the signs of the zodiac on the 12 houses of the chart. And therefore, if I have cancer as being The quote-unquote fourth house of the world, I essentially also have the mother having some direct relationship with the fourth house, which is a wonderful theory. It's a lovely theory. I wish theories were as lovely as this, because there does seem to be a deep resonance between that fourth house reality and the reality of the mother, and the mother does seem as if she should be there. But the theory is one thing, and practice is another. And within the context of these blind child readings, we've seen time and time again, the fourth house being used as the father, and the fourth house specifically speaking towards the paternal influence within a person's life, and the tenth house specifically speaking towards the maternal influence within a person's life. Because we practice astrology at Oraculos. We don't just sit down and talk about astrology. We practice Astrology rigorously for the purpose of our own continued knowledge, but also for the purpose of knowing whether or not the techniques that we're practicing actually hold validity within themselves. And beyond the shadow of a doubt they do. And that is how we know what works from what doesn't work astrologically speaking, we begin with a hypothesis. And that hypothesis, it guides our explorations of whatever we're doing, but it also guides us in terms of how we interact with the chart that we're reading, and it also informs how we read. And that is how we determine things. So for me, the fourth house is unequivocally the house of the father. Because after seeing that over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of charts, that has always held up. The 10th house is unequivocally the house of the mother. Because after seeing that in my own practice, over hundreds of charts, that has always held up. And the moments where it seems as if it doesn't hold up is more towards there being a lack within my own understanding than there being a lack within the technique itself. So. (sighs) Astrology on its own basis is where we all should start in terms of learning any system of astrology before superimposing yourself on that astrology what does this astrology have to say about itself because if we can understand that we can practice astrology in an even greater way that leads to even greater results that builds credibility in terms of what we're doing Now, going to the actual question about what I do within my client practice, I'm very keenly aware of the model of astrology as dialogue. And I think that there's a very real place for astrology as dialogue within our client work. And 80% of my client work is astrology as dialogue, because oftentimes people are coming because they want to speak about their lives from the safe distance of looking at their chart as something outside of themselves that they can talk about. And that's a wonderful thing. Our chart serves as a launchpad for our deepened self-contemplation. And the ability of astrology to allow people to feel enough distance from their story so that they can feel as if they're no longer hurt by their story And so that they can begin to read their story from a universal perspective oftentimes creates a deep sense of purpose and meaning and healing within the person's life. Their ability to transpose their narrative on something greater than themselves so that they feel as if they're taking part in a cosmic act of mythology, as opposed to something that feels like the crushing impact of their own destiny falling on their shoulders. That's what our chart gives us, the perspective to be outside of ourselves long enough to realize that every aspect of the story that is being told about our lives makes sense, and to realize that every aspect of the story that's being told about who we are fits within a greater cosmic whole. And when we can see that, we can start to trace patterns. And when we can start to trace patterns, we can understand how we got here to this position right now. We can understand how we dealt with these challenges in the past and how those past relationships to these challenges are currently impacting how we're dealing with these challenges now. We can see the golden thread of ourselves within everything. And there's no greater gift than that. The ability to see ourselves from a distance long enough to know that if we keep going on in this journey of life, we'll be okay. And that's what astrology gives us. It gives us the ability to step away from that story, to see the fullness of that story, to see that with a little bit of wisdom and with a little bit of elbow grease, we'll be okay. And that's the magic of astrology. And the reason why astrology works the way it works is because fundamentally, without that wisdom and without that elbow grease, we all fall within the same traps that we've always fallen into. There's a concept within Vedic culture where there are three gunas or there are three principles within nature, and those three principles are sattva, rajas, and tamas. And within our Western esoteric tradition, we have those same three principles in the forms of mercury, sulfur, and salt. And this tamas, or this salt principle, is the binding principle that causes everything to be exactly what it is, and nothing more than that. And we, as astrologers, can speak amongst ourselves and call this principle Saturn, Saturn. Saturn is that imposition within nature that causes all of us to be exactly what we are and nothing else. And if it wasn't for this salt, and if it wasn't for this tamas, this this dullness, this inertia, this grounding, this gravity, this gravity that causes us all to sink back into the physical reality of ourselves, even though our mind wants to cause us to be something completely different from who we are, this Saturnian tamasic, salt-based reality is what keeps us all safe, and it's what gives our lives a sense of its containment and a sense of its container. So the bird isn't trying to be the tree, the tree isn't trying to be the frog, the frog isn't trying to be the moon, the moon isn't trying to be the star, the star isn't trying to be the river, and we fundamentally aren't trying to change from fundamentally who we are. And because our chart, as a frozen moment in time, reflects, in a sense, this process of, of freezing, that is why when we get our chart read, it feels like it hits home so closely. It feels like it completely speaks to the heart of our experience. And the reason it feels like that is because that chart is showing you, me, in our most frozen forms. It's showing at one level who we are when we exert no effort to be something different. I teach yoga every single morning of my life, and no morning of my life do I wake up and actually want to teach yoga. Every morning of my life, I wake up, I want to go right back to sleep. So I have 10 yoga alarms because so difficult is it for me to break past my own dull, inert, tamasic nature. And though I have a very strong yoga practice, that strength of that yoga practice doesn't call me out of my bed because so sweet is the pleasure of remaining who I am, asleep. And we all have this sleep state that represents the basic level at which we operate with life. And on one level, our chart is showing the basic level at which we all operate with life. And that is why when we get our chart read, it sounds like such an act of magic and prophecy. But it really isn't. Because oftentimes, most of the times, 99% of the times when we get our chart read, we're not hearing something that we don't know. It's magical because it's us. Is magical because we do know it so well. And that is the point at which astrology works. It works so well because it has the ability to reflect back to us who we are when we're not exerting any effort to be anybody else. And if we were to exert effort to be somebody else, what then might we become? There is this experiment that A teacher of mine, Lee Lehman, had told me about a couple of years ago. And at astrology conferences, there's the habit of displaying your sun, your moon, and your rising sign within your badge so that people can know your sun, moon, and rising. And she asked me one day, she said, Michael, imagine if someone had Gemini sun, Gemini moon, Gemini rising, And yet they put on that badge that they were Scorpio, 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 Scorpio sun, Scorpio moon, Scorpio rising. How much internal cognitive effort it would take for that person to actually hold up that facade of being Scorpio, 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 when in fact they were Gemini, Gemini, Gemini. How difficult would that be for someone to actually try to pretend to be that for an entire day? You might be able to do it for an hour. You might be able to do it for two hours. But fundamentally, the momentum of who we are always takes over. And the momentum of who we are will always call us back to the basic foundational stability of our being. Whether or not that basic foundational stability of our being is productive or maladaptive. If within your life, The basic foundational stability of your being is to sit back every evening and drink an entire bag of sugar. Take the bag of sugar, pour it to your head, and drink the entire bag of sugar every evening before you go to bed because that's what you've always done. You might be able to break that for an hour, for two hours, for one evening, for two evenings. But the momentum of who we are, it takes over and it calls us back to that habit. And you might be wondering, well, what about people who break habits? It oftentimes requires a mammoth amount of effort to break habits, which isn't saying that it's impossible, but just saying that the comfort of who we've always been and how we've always operated is something that we truly have to work on. And sometimes that working on things takes a lifetime. I'm a vegetarian. I don't like the taste of meat. I love dairy. And So strong is that dairy momentum within myself that I have to work and I have to exert extensive amounts of energy and determination to walk past the cheese aisle and not pick up a bar of cheese every time I go to the grocery store. However, so deep is that imprint, someone can possibly pick up my birth chart and say, hmm, this is a person who loves cheese. Because of some cheese loving signature within my birth chart, because unless i exert the effort to transform that into something else i will always fall back to those same habits people change all the time but you know for the most part even as we change through life we remain who we are and that's why our astrology works and i don't know why i went into all of that and you also may not know why i went into all of that but the but The the point is that when we read the birth chart, that's what we're reading. We're reading the life of a person if it's operating on one level. And the evolution that a person has within their lifetime is evolution within the context of that same rubric of who they are. So you as a person with moon conjunct Saturn may get past and may get beyond your foundational moon conjunct Saturn story. And you may start to vibrate that moon conjunct Saturn story at a higher level. But regardless of how high you take that vibrational expression of that story, it will still be moon Saturn at a higher level. You may have Venus Uranus as a signature within your life. And at a very basic level, Venus Uranus as a signature may be instability within love. The inability to fully settle down within love, the inability to be fully turned on in all the ways that matter within my love life, always finding a fly within the soup, as if there is something here that I don't like, or there's something here that I'm bored with, or there's something here that doesn't fully fulfill me. And through work, and through effort, and through trial and error, you may one day learn how to express that Venus Uranus on a much more higher level, a much more rarefied level, where... You're turning that story of inability to really find love that's fulfilling to you learning how to meet someone where they are at and finding a love that's absolutely liberating because that person is someone who gets bored quickly as well. So here I'm finding a person who can stimulate me and who I'm willing to stick with because I know that person's internal flight mechanism and they also know something about my internal flight mechanism. So here we are, two people who know the challenge of staying in something because we're two people who naturally fly apart and here we are helping each other mitigate or in a sense remediate something that... For our lives up until this moment has been a major source of suffering. But these things require work. These things require effort, they require work, and they require the internal dedication to be something else. And the continuous contemplation of our chart constantly reminds us of who we are and where we've come from and what the cost of staying the same looks like. What is the cost of allowing this chart to weigh me down on my shoulders? What is the cost of allowing this particular story in my chart to continuously repeat itself in my life? What is the cost of staying in this sort of scenario? So that chart reading becomes a point of healing, but it also becomes a point of us staying humble. Because that chart shows the highest mountain to which we ourselves might climb but it also shows the lowest valley that we might find ourselves in when we're not exerting the power to be our best selves ever. So that is about the end of that for this evening. I still don't feel like I answered your question, Ruth, but from the perspective of all of this, you, the astrologer, a psychopomp, as guide, as jungle physician, as shaman, as counselor, as healer, as consultant, as lifeboat, as lighthouse, as a carrier of the essence of someone and the reflector of someone's essence to them through your astrological practice, you're meant to be able to tell them the story of themselves in a way that they can receive it, in a way that acknowledges your own suffering as a human being, as an astrologer, as well as in a way that acknowledges their suffering. And from the suffering within you, seeing the suffering within them, you should be able to speak with compassion, with clarity, and with hope. And that is the difference between a blind chart reading and working with clients. Our work with clients must always lead us, the astrologer, but also them as our clients to a bastion of hope.